In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. Your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, is out to dispel that myth of the perfect child and encourage parents to let them out of the box. Each child is unique, and this show is just the place to stand up and shout out that fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. So right now, join the queen of accountability who advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. Here is your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Stop Raising Einstein. I'm Tara Kennedy Klein. I am so excited for the show that we're going to be doing today. I have two amazing guests with me, and we're going to be discussing something that's a pretty hot adult topic, and I think that we don't give enough credit to its effect on our kids. We're going to be discussing the current political election campaign, and we're not going to be taking sides of one party or the other. What we're going to be discussing is the effect of this polarizing campaign on our children and how they view how we hold relationships, how we respect other people's opinions and feelings. When schools are canceling mock elections that we used to have when we were in school because the kids can't tolerate views of one another, and when social studies classes aren't allowing kids to discuss politics in their current affairs programs, we know that there's something really negative going on and there's a change that we really need to make. So we're going to be talking today with two amazing guests. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, our first guest is Dan Gutman, and he is the New York Times bestselling author of a book that I absolutely love. It's called Election, A Kid's Guide to Picking Our President. And he's a funny, informative, wonderful um, speaker, and he makes the process really, really simple and really, really clear even for adults. So if you are not sure about how this whole political process works, you're really going to want to listen into what Dan has to say. And our other guest is Nancy Buck. She is a doctor of psychology who is a consistent blogger on psychology today. And she's created a program called Peaceful Parenting. And Nancy's response to the questions that I asked when I was looking for a guest really kind of hooked me in and spoke to what I wanted to get through to the audience, to you today, on how our lack of civility and inability to talk and listen to one another relates to how we're teaching our children to do those same things, especially in a climate where bullying is so prolific and and is ingrained in everything that we teach in the schools today. So I'm really excited to have both Nan, Dan and Nancy on the show today. Welcome, guys. Hey, Tara. How are you doing? <laughs> good, good. This is, um, this is a pretty amazing topic for me because I never realized that something so adult could be so impactful on our kids until my son 
I have two sons, and my oldest son came home from school, and we were asking him if they were doing anything with these mock elections in school, and he said, no, Mom, we're not allowed to do that, and he's in eighth grade. And then I said something to my sixth grader, and he's like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Completely shocked me. Completely shocked me. So, um, Dan, I'm going to, uh, since, since your whole book is about the election process, sure. um, I'm going to ask you to kind of weigh in on, on that whole thing. Yeah, isn't it sad? You know, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, my daughter came home from school, and um, I think the president was giving some kind of a, a talk to kids uh, in schools, and uh, a lot of the parents in the school just kind of were able to opt out of the talk because they differed with him politically. And I thought, gee, when I was a kid, you know, the president spoke and everybody listened. It didn't matter which party you were from. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that exact same scenario. It was right after he was elected, correct? Uh, I think so, yeah. But wasn't it different when we were kids? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'm 42, and you know, I'm and I'm happy to say it. And I agree with you, Dan. It's I had the same reaction to that. The, our children could opt out of it too. And I thought, you know what? Regardless of how you feel about him, that's that's displaying and and modeling respect for the leader of our country. Right, whoever it is. Exactly, exactly. Unless they're like you know a crazy person that's doing horrible things to people, but we don't live there. Right. You know, we don't have that kind of, you know, I always say to my kids, there will never be a person who runs for president of the United States of America who does not have the best interests of America at heart. Well, that's, that's, I think that's very true. I mean, regardless of which person you support, which party you support, I think, I think everybody probably agrees that the people who want to be president of the United States, they, they, want, the, they want good things to happen to this country. But they just feel very different about the way we go about doing that, you know. I agree. And, and you know, after the election is over, whoever wins and whoever loses, the the loser is going to shake the hand of the winner and say, uh, you won, Uh, the people have spoken, and I support you, and I wish you good luck. And, And that's the nice thing. But up until that, we have to suffer through these, like, awful commercials and fighting and screaming, and it's that's the tough part. It's true. I, you know, I try to turn the TV off as much as I possibly can, period. But yeah. especially now, you know, we don't watch the news. We read the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, you know, the, the kids have more. There's not the emotion tied to it. You know, the emotion when you're reading something is based on your emotions at the time of, your, of reading it. Yeah. So since my kids don't have those kind of opinions formed about either party, mm-hmm. when they're reading things in the newspaper, they can come back and go, I'm not clear about that or whatever. So um, that's one thing that I, the commercials really bug me. And your example of, you know, no matter who wins or who loses, they're going to display the, the actions of a winner when they lose. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a true model of, you know, how we should be yeah. acting. Know, the sad thing is most, most parents are not like you. Most parents don't have their kids read the newspaper, and, and the kids are going to find out what they know from the commercials on TV, which are awful, of course, mm-hmm. and, and from our opinions. And maybe our opinions are, are fine, but it's, it, it would be best for them to read the paper to inform themselves because, hey, you know, in 10 years, they're going to be running the show. You know, you're... you're <laughs> 
ten, you're say, you said your son was 10 or, or no? I have a 13-year-old. I have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, yeah. Yeah, your 13-year-old's going to be able to vote in eight years, you know? Right. And, and maybe even run for office someday. And this generation, in a very short amount of time, they're going to be running things. And it's best for them to start informing themselves now. I agree completely. Nancy, you have a really strong opinion about how um, the the climate of the way we're we're carrying on conversations is really tied to a lot of, or could be tied to some bullying issues that are going on in schools. Can you speak to that? Of course I can, and I'm happy to be with you both. Um, And I I do want to just uh, kind of as an aside that we are talking on September 11th, uh, the day that had a profound uh, impact on our country, Uh, a a day when following 9-11 we really came together, no matter our differences, and realized that we were the United States and that we needed to be together uh, to face whatever adversity we were facing. Um, And I remember at the time talking with parents who were very concerned because their kids, of course, didn't quite understand, and even young ones who didn't quite understand, but children at every age measure what's happening by the energy that they feel, Um, and the energy that they feel for adults, because the adults are their barometers about, is it safe here, is it not safe here? Um, So there was an effect, of course, across the board. None of us felt safe, including children, and they got that, not necessarily because they intellectually understood what had happened, but because the adults in their lives were not feeling safe. So I would say here we are these 12 years later, and we're, we're still struggling with trying to figure out how to disagree without being disagreeable, how to say that I don't agree with your point of view, but I still honor you and respect you as a human being. Um, and in that, and to me, the irony is the, all of the programs and the focus in schools about anti-bullying Yes, this is bullying at an adult level, um, and <laughs> and of true. course to then to then act as if we're going to remove it and not talk about what is happening in our society, a very vital thing is happening, um, and as Dan I'm sure speaks about in his book, the vital thing which is our country's foundation that we get to choose in a democracy and that we may disagree with people, but we don't shoot them and kill them and say, now, now I'm the winner because you're dead. We have a very different process. <laughs> so, but our, our goal as adults and as parents is to teach our children how to disagree and still be able to have your voice heard and still be able to respect and honor the other person's ability to have a different point of view. We have totally lost that. Um, And I see the possibility for your children in schools right now learning from the adults in the schools right now how to do that and maybe be better models than what you see is occurring for the adults on television. Um, it's it's, it's hard. And <laughs> it's so true. I, you know, I, one of the big things that I, I try to tell my kids is even if you disagree with someone else's opinion, don't make it a degrade, don't make a degrading comment about them because of what they believe. Listen to what they're saying and you might actually learn something. <laughs> you know, they might actually have a point that you hadn't even thought of. Which is a very sophisticated skill, Tara. It's not like children are born knowing how to listen, absorb what the other person is saying, hold that possibility and say, hmm, there's a point of view I hadn't thought of. You know, most two-year-olds aren't going to do that. <laughs> exactly. They need, they need to learn it as a 
skill. And I mean, one of the things I sometimes think, which isn't very polite, um, and I don't say it to people's faces, but I'm thinking, you never learned a skill. How the heck are you going to teach other people how to learn a skill? You know, all you can do is, is shout louder um, and, and be very disparaging to the person. And it really is... Um, it's disheartening, uh, but as Dan points out, it's more than disheartening. It's frightening because we have, you know, we have generations who are uh, coming of age and are going to be our leaders and may not have a clue how to do it. It's true. And, you know, I think you bring us to a wonderful point, which is what we're going to be talking about after the break, which is what to do if your child likes a candidate that you aren't for. (laughs) So I'm excited to talk about that when we come back from our commercial break. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from their competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDuswaltDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Duswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Druggynet.com. Attention parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, a fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe. With your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich. Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. 
Hey, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for listening in. This week we are talking to two amazing guests about a really charged topic, and uh, we're talking to Dan Gutman, who is the Gutman. I'm sorry, Dan, I did it again. That's okay. <laughs> it's Dan. I am an East Coast girl from Pennsylvania Dutch country, so pronouncing it Gutman is just doesn't fit into my uh, pattern. But I, I will apologize and correct that right now. Um, Dan is the author of Election: A Kid's Guide to Picking Our President, and we're also being joined by Dr. Nancy Buck, who has a business and coaching practice and two books called Peaceful Parenting. So thank you guys so much for joining us on this really charged topic about the political election and how it's affecting our kids. Um, Before the break, we were talking a little bit about how this whole thing relates to bullying and and bringing our kids up in an atmosphere of attacking conversation and belittling conversation rather than respectful conversation, which is something that I really advocate for. And the question that I asked before the break was, what do you do if your child announces that they like a candidate that you don't support? Nancy. (laughs) Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is celebrate. Now, I know that may not be a a parent's initial reaction, but celebrate the opportunity to realize that really what you've been talking about, Tara, for I guess quite a long time, here you have an independent child who is not your clone, who is not your copy, but has an independent thinker and has a different opinion from you. Celebrate that moment that, yay, you've done a really good job that your child can make an opinion all by himself or herself and boldly speak up and say, I disagree with you. So that would be my first suggestion. It may not be a parent's first reaction, but at some point I would say celebrate. And I then agree. The, second thing, the, the second thing I would say is now here's your perfect opportunity to teach and learn how to have a, a, an opposing point of view and still end up in a conversation where you better understand each other. Maybe nobody mm-hmm. changes their mind, but at least now you understand your child better, and perhaps your child understands you better. So get curious, and probably the most important thing for parents, especially of teens, is learn to listen. Listen means shutting up. In a conversation, there needs to be a speaker, and there needs to be a listener. Um, and co- contrary to what I'm doing right now, we need to shush <laughs> so, so we can listen and allow the other person to speak. Well, I've been listening. Do I get some points for that? <laughs> you definitely get points for guests, Dan, definitely. Well, I, go I was going to say uh, that uh, I, I agree completely because, like, I've got two kids, a um, little bit older than yours, Tara. My, my son is uh, 22. My daughter's 16. And, uh, yeah, I've never tried to shove opinions down their throats, you know, when it comes to politics or religion or, or any important issue. I've always kind of, you know, encouraged them to, form their own opinions, uh, and if we disagree, well, you know, that's okay. They're going to teach me some things, and I'll teach them some things, and hopefully we have, like, an open dialogue, and I think that's better than parents who just sort of force their children to believe everything that they believe. I agree. You know, I've had, I've, I'm very, very active on Facebook and Twitter, and, you know, it, it really shocks me when I see parents putting things up on their Facebook pages to the effect of, my child came in and asked me for this, and I said, well, welcome to that party or this party, or that's why we agree with this person or that person. And I thought, wow, isn't that kind of, you know, 
first of all, giving your child an elitist attitude about their opinion. And second of all, isn't it kind of saying, well, our morals and values are more important and stand on a higher level than those people's morals and values do? Mm-hmm. It's brainwashing, I think. Don't you think? I agree. But at the same time, what I got I also have to suggest to you both, which I know you realize is, but you can't help but brainwash your kid because you have a point of view. You know, I really, I really like, I like ice cream better than I do liver. And my children, this is not news to them. They knew it when they were very young and watched me eat ice cream and watched me eat liver. So we're constantly brainwashing our kids, if that's the word you want to use. We have uh, what the word I would rather use is we have influence over our children's preferences. And there are Mm -hmm. developmental stages where part of what they need to do is to question a parent's point of view and say, is that my point of view? And if you you celebrate that or at least... Leave it alone. You remain neutral with that. Then you and then you raise the person who becomes an independent thinker, not someone who doesn't even know why they're voting for the person they're voting. They just know in their party they've always voted in this direction. And now you have somebody who's actually thoughtful. You know, I like that, and I I really would hope that the parents who are listening or the adults who are listening to this show can appreciate what what Dan and Nancy are saying because. When I have kids that are coming to my house, and this literally has happened, I've had children in 7th and 8th grade coming to my house making statements like, do you understand that that person will make us go to school year-round, or that person's going to make my grandmother go poor and be homeless? Like, kids don't come up with these ideas on their own. They're absolutely hearing it from someone. And, I, you know, that's where I really wish that adults would understand that children don't have a grasp on what is, what is stretching the truth, you know, that mom and dad might even be telling them something that's not necessarily true to sway their opinion. Kids don't think like that until we make them. Well, we have a natural uh, inclination to... Uh, respect our parents, which is a good thing, and we just see them as authority figures who know everything, you know, at a certain age, and so we're going to, you know, accept their opinions, and with my own kids, you know, as much as I try to have them keep an open mind about things and form their own opinions, they usually agree with me, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) My kids do not. I would say, hold on, hold on, you're not quite there yet. My kids their parents themselves, and there was a time when they went off to school, and I thought, oh, great, they'll learn to be polite Southern gentlemen, and in fact, they uh, instead became uh, thinkers from a different point of view, and I was horrified, but luckily, <laughs> I, had, I had enough sense, to, um, and maybe listened to myself at some point talking to another parent, and that was to shut up and just get curious rather than say, how can you possibly think like that, because um, now they're old enough, and they're not vulnerable, you know, they're young men, but at the same time, that didn't change anything. I still need to be curious. Why, why are you have holding this point of view? Um, in fact, the very first time I have my, my sons are identical twins. And oh, the very wow. first time that they were, um, they were allowed, you know, they were now old enough to vote. Neither of them chose to vote. And I was horrified, horrified. You don't have to agree with me, but at least exercise your rights. Um, And each of them individually explained to me why they weren't voting. And it was was informed apathy. 
Now, of course, wow. after the after which again equally horrifying to me, um, and then after the election and some some of the things, the consequences. You know, I I, I actually am a human being. I'm not I'm not some uh, guru on the mountain. And I said, see, if you had voted the right way, none of this would be happening. And of course, they knew I was kidding. But <laughs> so you're one of those parents. Oh no, absolutely. I, I can only be good so long. Um, <laughs> So true. I guess guess the other piece I would say is, okay, so maybe you as a parent are trying to influence your child, the only one who will listen to you from your political point of view, and you can rant and rave. At the same time, when you finally catch yourself and wake up, then the best you can do is turn around and say, do you agree? I mean, at least try to engage in a conversation rather than a diatribe. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Nancy, my my son, uh, he also had feelings like... Uh, I don't see any reason to vote as well. Yeah. And it's, I think he and, and a lot of his generation just are so disillusioned with the whole idea that uh, our leaders can can move us in the right direction that they just feel like, what's the point? It, it's not serving any purpose to vote at all. And that's really the saddest thing of all, I think. It is. It, I mean, the, one, of the, one of the good things that happened is we went to Australia. We were fortunate enough to go to Australia. And in Australia, you are mandated to vote. Uh, it, you are fined if you don't vote. It's wow. against the law not to vote. Now, that has its own negative repercussions as well. I mean, since, since we're the country of, of freedom and choice, it would be kind of contrary to then mandate people to vote. But anyway, it's just it was an interesting learning for, for all three of us to say, oh, okay, you can have informed indifference. You you still must make a choice. Right. Do you think that that choice, that it's what the kids were saying, and we're not going to have a lot of time to get into it now, but would, do you think that that would have more to do with the fact that kids don't want to see their family or their friends fighting? So they mm-hmm. say, if this is what, if voting is what causes this, I don't want any part of it. No, I don't think that's it. Nancy? Well, I mean, I, I think maybe on some level it is. You know, one of the things that happened as as my children got older and my nieces and nephews got older, we began to have family conversations online through email. And one of my sons says, it's the best way for the Smith family, that's my, my maiden name, for the Smith family to have political conversations is online because nobody interrupts anybody. And I thought, well, now there's, <laughs> hello, thank you for holding up the mirror to me, what it's like as a child in my family when we mostly agree but we're disagreeing in disagreeable ways. Um, so I don't, I, don't, I don't think it would lead all the way to, to uh, not voting, but it certainly may have an effect. Um, and, and it really goes back to what you were talking about before, Tara, in terms of the schools not wanting kids to be angry with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're missing the opportunity of learning how to be civil and still disagree. I kind of feel like I, I, I kind of feel like the younger generation feels like the entire political system in our country is so broken that it's yes. beyond repair. And they see on TV how, you know, the Democrats and Republicans can't even stay in the same room and, and hammer out a deal to, you know, raise the debt ceiling or, or whatever it is, and yeah. or do anything about, you know, global warming and the issues that face us today. And they just feel like, oh, forget about it. I, I It's just uh, impossible to repair, so I'm not even going to bother voting and being part of the system. Absolutely, and you compare the election to a battlefield, and I'd love to talk about that when we come back from this commercial break.
Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millett, at 11, 10 Central on Togginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I. Invest in yourself. P. Persist by taking small steps. And S. Serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette. On toginet.com, it's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited to be talking to Dan Gutman, who is the author of Election, A Kid's Guide to Picking Our President, and Dr. Nancy Buck of Peaceful Parenting about how the current election process is really affecting our kids, and we may not even be realizing it. We have had some really great conversation about how this election is relating to bullying and um, how to handle or how to start um, respectful conversations with our kids about the presidential candidates, maybe even if we don't agree with the person that they like, which I still, I, I can see a lot of, of bad vibes happening in households all over the United States as a result of that one. But, Dan, before the break, we talked about one of the concepts that you talk about in your book, which mm-hmm. is you compare the election campaign to a battlefield. Yeah. And how does that relate to, uh, you know, us handling it as parents? Well, you know, I think we have like a, a natural interest in 
winners and losers. You know, and in an election, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And we like these horse race kind of things. Mm-hmm. I, it's like I write a lot about sports as well. And I think it's the same thing that attracts us to sports. You know, we're fascinated by winners and losers. And like a football game looks like a, a game, but it's a bad, it's a war where it's just like a simulation of warfare where one team is trying to move across the field and grab territory from the other team and, and defeat them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so an election is sort of like the same thing. And in fact, I mean, two, at least two of our presidents, we, they became presidents because they were war heroes, you know, Grant <laughs> and Eisenhower. That's why they became right. president. It's not like they were great political leaders. Um, so the election campaign is very much like a, a battlefield campaign, and it's planned down to the smallest detail. And uh, it's just, uh, I think it's a, a natural human um, human nature to want to see who's going to win and who's going to lose. Do you think, and this just occurred to me while you were talking, Dan, I'm one of those people that I relate families and parenting to teams as well. And I'm always trying to teach my families and my kids that I work with to find the the talent, the unique brilliance in each member of your team and use it to the best of their ability, okay? So when we're using that philosophy with kids about the election, Instead of picking out the things that are flawed or negative or bad about the other person, what if we picked out the best things of each person and focused on those? Do you think it would change the way parents and children view the election process? Yes, I do. It would be nice if we if we focused on the positive instead of the negative, but in our society, Nancy, would you agree with me that like we're getting so much more negative information, negative feedback that it's almost natural for kids to think that way? So let me chime in <laughs> with your polite invitation, Dan. Our it's it's based on our brain, guys. Our brain is set up to pay attention to what's wrong, to the mismatches, mm-hmm. not pay attention to what's right. Yeah. So it's not. I mean, as you call it, human nature. That really, is, it's our brain. So, in fact, when something is, you walk into a room and a space and the temperature is absolutely perfect, unless you've been in a really uncomfortable temperature, you don't even notice that the temperature in the room is comfortable. It's not until the temperature gets too cold or too warm that you realize the temperature is uncomfortable. It's the way our brain functions. So, I think, actually, Tara, it's a brilliant idea. I think it's a brilliant practice, but you have to go against your brain to notice what that's right. That's why when two kids are in a room and one's a, uh, uh, unbelievably talented in art, the other kid looks at his heart and says it's not nearly as good as that kid because his brain is driven by what's wrong instead of saying, my art may not be great, but at least I have the ability to compliment you on your good art. I'm good in my social skills. So, mm. it would, But I think it's a, it would be, again, that's, an, that's another possibility for schools to have a sit-down with kids to say, what do you like about this candidate and what do you like about that candidate and what are their strengths and what are the things that they would bring in their leadership rather than this is what's wrong with the other fellow. Um, so and I how think amazing! It's a great idea. <laughs> and how cool would it be if that were a worksheet, 
and they yeah. could take that home to their parents and say, hey, you know, this is something that our class did today, and we picked out the greatest things about both candidates. Let's talk about those. Right. And you're, again, te- teaching teaching the ground rule, which mm-hmm. would be we well, can only say the positive. We have to avoid the negative because your brain your brain will pick out the negative anyway. I mean, again, if you just think about today, if any of if either of you commuted to where you are now, I bet you could me- you could mention the traffic disobedience that occurred with the other cars that were on the road with you. But did you pay attention to any of the cars that were in sync with you that enabled you to get to where you are now safely? It's just the way our brain functions. Right. And, you know, we can't change our biology, but we can we can say, now I know that, now what can I do? And if right. there's a big accident at the side of the road, that's what everybody's looking at, right? They're not exactly. looking at the cars they're going by. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, it really, it's in, the in, way in, our brain functions. See, would, let me also jump in and say that additionally, the way our, our brain, our biology functions is we're driven to meet certain psychological needs, the need for safety, for love, for power, for fun, for freedom. Now, the one about power, that's really what this, the heart of this conversation is about. There's power with, there's power within, and there's power over. Power over tends to be irresponsible, but not always. But that's what this whole political uh, discourse, <laughs> disagreeable discourse is about, is power over. I'm right, no, and you're wrong. No, I'm right, no, you're wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. all of that is power over instead of, as Dan points out, at the end of the election, ultimately the two guys are going to shake hands and say, okay, power with. How are we going to work together to effectively move forward and solve the, the problems that we have? That's really, it's really all about power and ultimately power within, again, which goes to what you were talking about before, Dan, where kids are feeling like, what I do makes no never mind. The uh-huh. system may be so broken and I'm one little person in one little spot and it seems so overwhelming. I don't feel like I have any power within to make a difference in what's going on. I think that also has a lot to do with children not feeling like they have a right to an opinion on this yeah. topic. I mean, I remember as a child, I remember elections. I, I remember a lot of elections, and I remember a lot of them being centered about around very passionate topics. Like when Jimmy Carter was elected, you know, there was, there was a lot of really crazy stuff going on in the world. I remember, you know, nuclear meltdown threats and Iranian crisis and all of that stuff. And so there was a lot of very passionate, very serious conversation going on. But None of that conversation happened in front of me. Mm. And back then, you know, you didn't have TV stations for liberals and TV stations for conservatives. You had Walter Cronkite telling the balanced story, you know. Now everybody just listens to the things that they agree with. Right. It's true. It's true. And, you know, I I think that brings up another really good point, too, in – we didn't my parents didn't talk about hostages in front of me my parents didn't talk about you know nuclear reactor meltdowns in front of me because those were scary topics that i wouldn't understand so why try to teach what i wasn't capable of learning i don't believe that we have that filter anymore hmm. I believe that, you know, there's too much conversation happening in front of elementary school children about rape and homosexuality and immigration and abortion. And what what do you guys think about that? Hmm. Well, I can only speak from my own uh, 
perspective, which is that, uh, you know, when the kids were very little, obviously, we didn't talk about those issues. And when we felt that they were ready, which usually means like I'd say third, fourth, fifth grade-ish level, then you start to talk about things that are that are maybe um, in a previous generation might be considered inappropriate, but my kids felt like they were ready for it, and we talked about all kinds of things, and I, I, I'm kind of glad we did. But of course, it, you have to wait until your kids are mature enough to handle it. Right. The other piece I would add to that is usually your children are more more ready for it than you're ready for them to be ready. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, but I will also give you a different perspective, Tara, because I am that much older than both of you, and that is that in elementary school, we had to practice not just fire drills, but air raids and what to do if we had a, a nuclear war. Uh, right. And getting under the desk, which to me is just, you know, like that was going to save me. Um, <laughs> and practicing, but you know, at the time I didn't know, okay, I'll get under the desk. Um, and practicing walking home home um, and getting home safely. I mean, and, and at the time, I didn't, I, I, I understood it on one level, but certainly I didn't understand it on a bigger level. But just like a fire drill, you know, kids do it. They don't ever think there's really going to be a fire. If you be, we can get out of that right now and go outside and maybe see your friends and hopefully not get caught if you're, if you're talking and get in trouble for that. Um, right. So part of it, I think, is it really goes back to what my very opening, which is in the, if it's in the atmosphere, your children are absorbing it at some level. Now, does that mean you sit down at the dinner table and have a conversation with a kindergartner or a first or second grader about all these issues? Probably not. Um, but it, I think, as Dan says, they, to pretend that they're not getting it, they are. And I mm-hmm. would bet, Tara, obviously I don't know, but I would bet even if your parents didn't talk to you about it, it was, you somehow heard about it. Yeah. Um, even, right. even if it was from your friends, and and so from my perspective as the parent, if it, if if it's in the atmosphere, I want my kids to know that I'm a safe person for them to talk to right. about these issues. Yeah, I um, think when in doubt, it's better to communicate than to not personally. Absolutely. I agree, too. And I believe that there's a way that we can filter those things right? Um, age appropriately. I would just like to see some of the TV commercials and the debates do that same type of filtering, realizing that they're reaching a diverse audience of age groups and, and uh, you know, brain development, that they're not just talking to adults when you're putting that, you know, that ad on the, on the TV. I, 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 I've I've recently moved to Denver where my uh, sons live and my one grandson and about to be granddaughter truly any minute now live. Mm -hmm. And and I'm here. Luckily, I'm happy to say they invited me. That's why I'm here. Um, (laughs) And my goal is to have them not say, why did we invite her? But Uh, um, (laughs) Actually, we're going to have to talk about it on our next uh, segment. Nancy, thank you. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Friday Nightcap Radio, 10 p.m. to midnight with Christy and Laura on Togginet.com. Broadcasting from their scrappy kitchen in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. They've got nothing better to do than riff with their favorite Brooklyn-based independent vendors, artists, bands, bartenders, foodies, weirdos, and news stories. 
featuring the live studio audience. Betty Rehab and the Gay Boys. Sex and dating commentary with the impersonal. The unknown political masked man. And people who kind of know stuff. Stream on after your long week. Brooklyn's variety show of madcap intellectualism. Friday Nightcap Radio with Lauren Christie, 10 to midnight Eastern on Toginet.com. Radio like you've never seen. Why do I feel so lousy? Why aren't my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening in. This is such an amazing conversation. I thank you both for being here. We're um, Dan Gutman from New York, author of uh, Election, A Kid's Guide to Picking Our President, and Dr. Nancy Buck. Such wonderful guests. Thank you so much for being part of this show and bringing such great information. Dan, I wanted to spend the last few minutes of the show giving the audience some information about your book and how it relates to kind of breaking down the electoral process or this whole, you know, electing a president thing into some easier, more understandable steps or something so that it's not so looming and complicated and overwhelming. Yeah. Well, it's really funny because I didn't set out to do this at all. Uh, years ago, I wrote a, uh, a, a novel for kids called The Kid Who Ran for President. And it was about a kid who runs for president of the United States. And I really just did it for laughs. I, I thought it would be a funny story. But I was amazed that when the book came out, schools all over the country started using it to teach, you know, how the electoral process works, how we elect the president, how constitutional amendments are passed. And they were actually using it as a learning tool. And I thought, well, gee, you know, maybe I should try something that's not just a silly fictional story. Maybe I should actually just sit down and write how we elect the president. And I would do it in a question and answer format. You know, I'd say, uh, is the president the boss of the country? And answer that. You know, what happens if there's a tie election? Or how does a voting machine work? Or, you know, what does the electoral college mean? All these terms that kids hear during this time, 
and just give them the simplest answers I possibly can so that they're they're informed and they're not just hearing all this stuff going over their heads. And that's how uh, my book election came about. I love that. <laughs> Do you – I have a question for you, Dan. Yeah. Do you think that the schools refusing to talk about the campaign – do you think that that's impacting our child's knowledge of the electoral process? I would think so, because um, that would be the way they would learn it, you know? Um, when I was a kid, I remember uh, we would have mock elections and things like that in our schools, and that's how we learned all these concepts that, that the kids are not learning today. Um, and I guess it's probably out of political correctness or just fear of antagonizing some parents or teachers maybe being afraid that they might say the wrong thing and, and maybe lose their jobs over it. And that's, that's a shame because, honestly, I, I'm certain that you would both agree with me on the fact that, you know, keeping our kids ignorant on the process of selecting our nation's leader is probably not the best solution to keeping our kids from fighting or disagreeing. <laughs> there's got to be there's got to be a way that we can still educate them on the process and maintain civility within the school. Yeah, and if they're going to get all their information from television commercials, then we're really in trouble. Right. Wow. I think it would be an awesome process to have the kids create their own commercials. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> You know, they'd have to do research on platforms, and they'd have to do research on, you know, all all kinds of interesting things. They'd have to talk about the vice president and the president and, you know, all all of the things that we don't talk about. We're, we're so focused on talking about the negative aspects and, you know, how the country's going to go to hell in a handbasket if this person is our leader, but they don't discuss. How much power does that leader truly have if the rest of Congress doesn't agree with them? Mm. And, you know, Tara, half, half the kids could make those videos, and the other half could be fact-checkers. Yeah. Oh, that would be yes. <laughs> that, would be, okay. that would be an amazing concept, I think, in this election, fact-checking. Would that be great? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. We could use a lot more of it. And wouldn't it be setting our kids up for a positive experience when they have the ability to vote. Because I think our, our generation of parents, I, I hate to say it because I love my mom, but our generation of parents really kind of set the climate for this downward spiral that we're experiencing right now. Well, okay. One thing, I, I must chime in on that one, Tara. There's, there actually have been elections that have been worse, but they were, you know, a, a different century, actually two different centuries ago. Uh, but this is, as bad as we may think this is, there have been times when it was worse. Uh, really? I, yeah, but the, I think the idea, I love your idea about having kids not only create the commercials, but also the fact checkers. And that would that was Dan. Big, <laughs> well, I'll take credit for that. The, it would speak to the issue that you talked about before, Dan, which is kids' sense of powerlessness in terms of being part of the process. If we engage them in part of the process right now, so they could make their own commercials, they could fact check the, the, the commercials other kids make, but you could also ask them to do some fact checking on both sides and see what they discover. Now they may have a greater sense of being part of the process and powerful as part of the process. I think that's brilliant. I love that. I think we should work on that, guys. That's something that we can all do together. <laughs> I think it would be pretty cool. And it would also teach our kids that 
um, not everything that you hear and not everything that you read is necessarily the 100% truth. And I think that yeah. would kind of be a shocking realization for many kids, Yeah, you know, to be able to go back with more information <laughs> than maybe the other members of their family have, be able to right. say, you know what, actually, we looked that up, and um, that's not necessarily how I see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then to open it up to conversations in the home where, you know, to your point earlier, Nancy, where we just get quiet and really listen to each other and respect mm. one another's opinions. Because I think one thing, too, that could really be a big effect, you related this whole thing to sports at one point, Dan. Yeah. I know kids that are so devoted to their sports teams that when their team loses, they spend two days sulking and being angry and throwing stuff. Can you imagine if you are a child in a home where you don't agree on the candidate and you're, as a child your candidate is the one that loses, mm-hmm. how that could really have a huge impact on our kids, and we don't even see that or acknowledge it because we don't appreciate that they're even mature enough to get that. Right. You know, that could be that could be really devastating to a kid's little ego. You know, here I've been fighting for this person all along and now they lose. Uh You know, how do you handle that? Well, again, the opportunity for the parent to step in and say, "Okay, so your your person didn't succeed. Your person didn't uh, prevail. What Mm -hmm. now? Okay, you're feeling bad. You're feeling sad. You're feeling like a loser. Now, let's think about that. What are the long-term effects? And what do we know from people who were, who were, quote, the losers? Where are they now? You know, McCain lost. He's still an active member of Congress. Kerry lost. He's still an active member of Congress. So that people don't necessarily fold up and go away. Even teams that lost, you know, there was only one, one uh, football team that was the winner of the Super Bowl. But the other teams didn't crawl away and say, okay, you know, we're done. They're back for another season. Um, so Absolutely. It's, an opportunity, it's an opportunity for parents to say, okay, now what? Uh, mm-hmm. not, you, you, were, you were putting all of your uh, excitement into this one thing. It didn't turn out as you want. But that happens a lot in life. And it seems to me this would be a perfect opportunity to say, now how can we, how can we despite being disappointed, move forward? And, and is there anything we can learn um, for ourselves for the next, uh, next go-round? Um, Absolutely. To, to stop being excited and involved, but uh, <laughs> right. you know that, that uh, it may change. You know, I don't know if either of you are tennis fans, but the um, this this uh, U.S. Open tennis that just finished was probably one of the most exciting that I've watched. And one of the things that really struck me this year, more so than any other year, is that here are these opponents, the two fellows who were fighting, literally on the battlefield, fighting for five hours. At the end of it, they hug, and they still have respect and like each other. And yeah. that was true, truly, almost every single match I watched, which is, is kind of different. Ten years ago, that wouldn't have necessarily been true. But this year, they have, uh, they're have they both out there to win. They both want the same prize. Um, but they don't hate the other person for wanting it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they feel <laughs> respect actually... for the other person in the, in the five hours of, of fighting with each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a point that you make as well, Dan, is, you know, the kid, these these gentlemen don't hate each other after the election. In fact, they respect each other very much. And I think that is a really important tool to give to our kids that just because we may not have come out on top, if we gave it our best, 
Mm-hmm. And we, we maintained our integrity and yeah. we maintained our beliefs, then we're still a winner regardless. And no matter who's president, it's not going to change who we are fundamentally as a person, what we believe in, what we fight for, you know, the, the pillars that we stand on. So, you know, guys, this has been the most amazing hour. I can't even believe that it's flown by already. And I need to thank you both so much. Um, I really want to give the audience an opportunity to visit both of you, Nancy Buck, Dr. Nancy Buck, on your PeacefulParenting.com website, um, Why Do Kids Act That Way, and the Peaceful Parenting Workbook. Definitely check it out. Dan Gutman, thank you so much, author of Election, A Kid's Guide to Picking Our President, as well as 105 other books for kids. Definitely check out Dan's website at dangutman.com. I really would love if you have opinions on this show or on this topic that you go to my Facebook page, which is Stop Raising Einstein on Facebook, or multilevelmom.com, stopraisingeinstein.com. Go to any one of those places and connect with us. Next week's show, we're going to be talking with Maria Maranakis about three top tips to virtually wipe out 75% of behavioral problems, one of them being how to sleep your way to parenting success. I can't wait to talk about that one. Every week we close out the show with a quote, and this quote is from Albert Einstein. And it says, learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. The important thing is to not stop questioning. And I think that that could not be more appropriate for the the atmosphere and the environment and everything else that we're living with right now to teach our kids. You learn from your mistakes, you live for the moment, and you hope and dream and set goals for tomorrow. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the show, and I really hope that you're going to stay in contact with us, Facebook, on our websites, and definitely listen in to next week's show. Thanks for listening to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Make these Stop Raising Einstein principles your own. Love unconditionally, give freely, laugh openly, learn daily, grow immensely. And of course, listen to the show every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network.